Hello and welcome to 90s Lessons from the Frontline podcast. If you're not familiar with 90, we at 90 specialize in insurance innovation that is taking new insurance ideas to market in 60 days and building best practice innovation capabilities for insurers in 12 months. Um, a bit more about us is that the industry recently voted as consultancy of the year, which we're, we're very proud of. And uh, in our work, we get to work with insurers like Allianz, AXA, Travelers, Aetna and Swiss Re. Um, some examples of projects with these guys you'll be hopefully hearing about in the next half an hour or so. Uh, we work across the US, UK and Europe. And a final thing about us as well is that our namesake comes from the fact that we're a social enterprise that gives 90% of our distributable profits to charity, hence the name 90. And if you've been listening before, you'll know this, but what we're doing in this podcast series is to let you hear from some of our insurance innovation consultants and to ask them to share their expertise at the front line of insurance innovation projects and 90. So without further ado, welcome. I'm Dan Webster, I'm an innovation consultant at 90, and I'm joined today by my colleague Tom Hardcastle, who is a client partner at 90. So uh, welcome, Tom. How are you doing today? Thank you, Dan. I'm well, thank you. Very good. Yes, I'm well, thank you. I've been wanting to get you on this for a while, Tom, so thank you for coming. At last. <laughs> yes, indeed. So before we get into some of the, the topics that we'll be talking about today, um, for those who don't know you who are listening, um, would you be able just to share a bit about your background and your role now at 90? Sure. So I'm Tom Hardcastle, and as Dan said, I'm a partner at 90. Prior to being involved in 90, my background has been on the corporate side of things rather than the consulting practitioner mm -hmm. side of things. Um, with a lot of grounding in strategy, transformation and change, um, most uh, fully at the uh, co-op group and the insurance business there. Whilst I was there um, shaping up a transformation, I became a client of 90s. And so I have first-hand experience um, of working with 90 uh, and the team. And I was particularly keen there on uh, developing a user-centric transformation, which is not where we were at at that point. And so 90 supported that. The relationships uh, continued and I uh, jumped ship and uh, have been working as part of the 90 team for the last three or four years now. And as client partner, I help to oversee our activities with a particular focus on UK uh, clients. And I've got a particular passion in terms of helping insurers to do more of what we uh, support them on for themselves. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. So I think with that background and your role now, this qualifies you as the ideal person to be talking about this topic that we're going to be going into today, which is innovation capability building for insurers. So um, if you're familiar with 90 and have heard the intro a couple of times, you'll know that what we do consists of two parts of our value proposition, I guess. So number one is that we help insurers to take new ideas to markets in 60 days. And number two is that we help insurers to build the best practice innovation capability in 12 months. Um, if you've heard any previous episodes, you'll know that we talk a lot about the former case of those. So actually um, ideating, developing, building and testing insurance ideas. But we've touched less upon so far um, innovation capabilities and building and enhancing this within insurers. And this is probably the larger part of what we're doing at the moment. So this um, 
recording here is going to be going into some of the details of what innovation capability is, what it means, what are the constituent components of it, and some of the experience and strategies that we use when helping insurers to increase their innovation capabilities, and then also just sharing on some of the uh, tips, tricks, challenges, struggles, and solutions that we come into in this area of work. So, Tom, I think a good place to start before we get into some of the nitty gritty of this is why do we do this side of the uh, this side of innovation work as well? So, we naturally have done lots of new ideas to market, and over the past few years, uh, building capabilities has become a, a really large part of what we do. So. I wonder if you could just give a bit of an explanation as to, to why that is, where that need comes from. Thanks, Dan. Um, at 90, we, we do pride ourselves in the work that we do on uh, projects, that there is a collaboration and a co-creation that goes on as part of that. And without sounding too grand, we hope that when we work with clients, we do leave something of a legacy in terms of the ways of working, the tools, the techniques. What we found was that there was increasing appetite from clients to do more of this for themselves and demand for us to support them in terms of tooling and equipping so that over time they could become more self-sufficient when it comes to uh, innovation capability, predominantly because I think in, in the insurance market as elsewhere, increasingly see the importance of innovation as a core capability rather than something optional for an organization. So, so from this down then grew uh, a propositional offering out to market, which helped to fulfill that need so that as well as helping support with ideas to market, we could also support with equipping our clients with a tool set and to build their own innovation muscle. Yes, absolutely. And I think something that goes alongside that as well is that um, Whereas we do lots of work on specific projects, helping insurers take specific ideas to market. Um, if we were to be candid, that would probably not be a long-term solution in helping insurers to be able to, to do that in the future for themselves. There's lots of situations um, where getting a, a consultancy like ourselves in to bring a specific idea to market is the best option to do. But long-term, um, being able to have the tools and capabilities to do that yourselves as an organization is a, a greater priority and higher higher value thing a lot of the time and, and, and critical within that. So a I guess a, a question here is um, we're going to be talking a lot about this a uh, couple of words of innovation capability. So a good starting point as well I think would be um, I wonder if Tom if you could just give a, a bit of an explanation of how you understand the components of innovation capability and as an add-on as well what this looks like for insurers and the insurance industry in particular. Thanks Dan. In terms of innovation capability we are talking certainly from a 90 perspective when we use this def definition about setting innovation strategy, about having clear operating model and approach when it comes to innovation, about being able to recruit, train and grow uh, innovators within an organization, both as specific innovation teams, but also wider organizational innovation uh, capabilities. And then to be able to um, equip those innovators with methodology with frameworks with, with with tools and techniques 
and a way to do this at greater scale across multiple um, projects and activities. And we are talking about tangibles, both in terms of results, in terms of the methodology of the tools. But I think as importantly, if not more so, is around innovation mindset. And this actually starts to play into uh, culture alongside capability and how insurers need to build out their innovation culture. On your, your second question, Dan, in terms of pertinent to the insurance sector, um, we have uh, seen that, as with many other sectors, there is a range of capability and maturity when it comes to innovation. Um, but from a 90 perspective, we have seen that it has been um, a great sector to focus on and work with um, in order to, to take clients through an innovation journey as we see the expectations of their users and stakeholders, whether that be end policyholders, intermediaries, brokers, all of the employee bases within client organizations needing to up their game when it comes to the innovation agenda. So that in our own mantra, they can innovate and thrive rather than face either a long or slow decline if they are not progressing in this way. Yes, so I think that's a really helpful answer to this because um, you're saying that when we're thinking of innovation capabilities, there's a number of things within that. So we've, you've talked about um, op models, training for innovation, embedding methodologies and strategies to take ideas for mar uh, to market, also mindsets and culture and the people side of things as well. Um, Personally, I think a, a, a helpful way to that I think about some of this stuff is there's a lot of components that are, in a sense, very hard and some that are more soft. And both of these are coupled. So with hard components, this is, I think, where we'd be thinking about um, building and instilling off models. So the nitty gritty of how an innovation function or initiative embeds itself and works well within an organization. So included in that as well would be things like strategic positioning and, and goals of innovation within an organization. Methodologies lying in there too as well. So the actual frameworks which individuals, teams would use in order to carry out innovation. But there's this just as critical softer side to things as well, which is more around the people of the, the mindset of teams in an organization and the culture that um, needs to be in place in order for this stuff to be successful. Um, I think that these two things are, are, are pretty equally coupled. You need the um, hard frameworks, op models, strategies, skills, frameworks um, in order to innovate well, but the enabler of that is the um, more people-centric side of things, the mindset and the culture and the initiatives to be able to carry these out. So it's a helpful way to group these, I think. And Another area that this probably brings us on to is it's all well and good as talking about um, defining this and what it is, but where does the where does the mandate come for uh, come from for this? So, um, what is the reason to be looking at this as an area of importance to be moving um, and increasing in? So what is the mandate for this? And um, perhaps how could it develop over time at a, a particular organization? Yeah, great, great question, Dan. Um, again, I think it is um, organization dependent, but if we talk in broad terms, what we see is sometimes the mandate is driven by an injection of a new role or a new um, capability requirement or, or build. 
which might be triggered by the um, recruitment of a chief innovation officer or a chief di digital officer an organization or a change of, of CEO. So it can happen at that type of level. And when that happens, often there is an appetite to um, benchmark innovation capability, um, which is a great opportunity for us to um, deploy our health check, which looks at the the status of innovation within an organization and takes quite a broad read of that and through doing that we can then help to recommend an operating model and a set of capabilities which align with where that organization is at and importantly where the strategy is at for it in other cases it might be that we have supported a client on a particular project and, and that has created a real excitement amongst the team and amongst wider stakeholders to see the art of the possible and what can be done, not just in terms of the tangible outcomes, as you were saying, Dan, but also in terms of that mindset, that way of working, that cross-functional collaboration to get to results. And so um, clients ask themselves, how can we instill more of this, you know, and, and create this as something that it becomes the way of working across the organisation? So I see that there are different starting points, sometimes driven from that top-down mandate to say, we need to grow our innovation capability, but how do we how do we benchmark? And actually, what's the best way for us to do that? And what model should we follow? In other cases, as I say, it's on specific product opportunities that have developed out and propositions that have moved forward and a team championing that and then looking to grow the number of champions and that way of working wider across the organization okay so a variety of different starting points that might lead to a, a project to increase innovation capability i wonder if we could bring this into um some perhaps like tangible projects that we've worked on over the past year or so because um a range of different starting points and this is of course looks very different for different organizations so um tom if i was to ask you what would be some of the I guess, typical challenges or problems or even briefs that you would be given by um, some insurers on recent projects that would initiate a project like this? So I, a couple of uh, examples down that spring to mind. Um, one is with um, a, a client generally, so an Italian-based insurer, but very much international in terms of its outlook and in terms of scale, 70 odd thousand employees operating across hundreds of uh, countries. We engaged at a group level with Generali and they had introduced a new role of chief innovation officer. And the uh, opportunity that, that we had there was to actually help support to get a common frame of reference when it came to innovation, a common language around innovation and some common frameworks and tools so that innovation could be done consistently or most efficiently um, across the countries and business units within um, Generali. There was a real appetite to make sure that knowledge was being shared and that good ideas, good innovations were being scaled across countries or across regions and were looking for a platform in order to be able to um, support that. So uh, it was our privilege and still is to be able to support Generali on that journey with both a methodology, a toolkit, a playbook in terms of innovation that can be used and um, deployed across the employee base, 
with a really um, impactful vision, which is about innovation being everywhere for everyone within the organization. So that's the desire of where Generali looks to get to. And then specific support with um, Generali's uh, innovation fund as a way to help to accelerate great opportunities and see those delivered to, to, to market. So a combination of really setting out on a capabilities journey with Generali and supporting a central team there and then increasingly business units and regions in order to deploy innovation solutions for themselves, both on projects, but also on training in terms of um, boot camps, in terms of champion programs, and in terms of accessible tools and techniques that employees within Generali can just take and use as appropriate on their innovation journeys. So that's an example at a group level, and then one from a, a country level, um, which is Zurich and the Innovation Foundry, where we have the privilege of supporting the UK team to build out an internal capability for innovation, um, a, a lab essentially, but internal within the organization, very much offering a service out to its business units. And we were able to support on the branding, on the methodology, on the toolkit, on helping to grow the team and to execute a portfolio of ideas there. So a couple of examples, Dan, and it just demonstrates that um, clients can engage on different levels when it comes to innovation capability, some group mandated, some regional and some at country level. And we believe that traction at whichever of those levels when it comes to innovation is a very positive thing. That's good. And I think that those two particular examples cover quite a broad base of different types of work and outcomes. You mentioned in your answer to the first question, I think, that this, even though we're building innovation capabilities, that doesn't mean that it's devoid of tangible outcomes here. So you mentioned for the, the former example there, outcomes, deliverables would be things like, well, in terms of assets, a methodology that can be used and democratized across an organization, uh, a toolkit of um, learnings and an organizational approach to, to innovation, as well as a playbook training as well, upskilling, of course. Um, and with those two examples, the the general, I think um, a lot of the focus could, have, well, is on ensuring that innovation isn't just held by a specific uh, unit in an organization. How do we actually democratize this and enable the rest of our um, employees and teams across different um, regions and departments to utilize innovation? Um, but also with your latter example as well, Zurich, um, building innovation capability within a specific unit that can go out and serve organizations well. Two um, good examples to be to be digging into a bit. So brings me on to a question that I, I really want to ask you, Tom, which is from your experience on working on projects like this and perhaps any others that come to mind, what would be some of the common pitfalls or, or traps that those tasked with delivering innovation capability can fall into. So I imagine some of these could be the, the triggers that could enable some of the, the work that we've engaged in in the past or um, struggles that we go through day to day on, on projects and solutions to those. Thanks, Dan. Yes, so, so some, some, some thoughts on this. I think at a macro level, there can be a, a pitfall that there is such an aspiration um, with an insurer that they want to be the most cutting edge when it comes to innovation and 
uh, and I want to deploy that today. What, what I would caution is that innovation and the capability construct needs to fit the organization, by which I mean its strategy, its culture, where it is currently at. Otherwise, there is a real danger of um, organ rejection that because this is such an alien thing to the organization, it is seen as something very separate and, and, and not for the culture of that particular insurer. So as you know, Dan, within 90, we're all for encouraging clients to dream big, but I think it's important that the first step is one that can demonstrate results rather than one that turns off um, the potential advocates within an organization. Um, a, a second um, thought is this desire to um, go big um, from the outset. So um, very positive, I think, that there is generally a desire to democratize innovation, make it everyone's business, you know, phrases like that. But I think the best way to get traction early on is to identify your innovation advocates, regardless of um, level, from a structured perspective, and regardless of where they might reside in the organization. And how do you leverage that community? How do you bring them together with some common purpose, potentially some frameworks and potentially some real tangible ideas, really important business problems to solve? We find, and I personally find, taking that approach really does reap rewards. And in that sense, I know it's a trite phrase, you are preaching to the converted and they've just been looking at the opportunity to get involved in this. And over time, we can see that, that then that innovation capability grows through word of mouth, through results and success has many fathers and mothers. And so over time, a groundswell can develop um, from that. At the extreme, you will always have your you know, real nascent naysayers. Ultimately, if this is part of the culture and the future of an organization, those naysayers are going to have to decide whether they get on board, albeit reluctantly, or whether it's their time to, 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 to jump ship. But I think it's a great way of really building that, um, that encouragement and that culture organically, but start from a position of strength and those that have a mindset which is positive towards it, rather than to um, start with a battle. So I think that's a really... There's a really good couple of things we're picking up on. And as you were talking there, it kind of makes me think that these things, I think from our experience, are definitely held in some kind of equilibrium. So we're saying that, yes, it's important to be able to bring the organisation and a lot of people involved along on the journey with us in order to prove the, the benefit, the mandate and the case for innovation. So this is critical to bring along a large group of people. But on the other hand as well, um, a really useful starting point is to identify, as you said, um, a group or um, team of innovation advocates, specific people who may be aligned to the, the vision already in order to, to go out and generate some results quickly. So I think at least some problems that I've experienced um, with a, a misbalance between these two things is if a, um, a particular innovation team or group or a innovation advocates, there's a number of names that you could give to these kind of groups, right? Um, became very much a, um, a, a white tower within the organization, which can generate a very much like 
them and us type attitude for the rest of the organization towards them. That isn't something that is helpful for um, building an organization-wide innovation capability. And we've seen initiatives like that fall apart fairly quickly because of the disconnect between the self-proclaimed innovators and the rest of the organization. But quite rightly, on the other hand, if it's something that is um, uh, initially intended to be owned by everyone everywhere, as um, there's lots of sayings around that, right? Um, the ability to give good outcomes quickly can be very hard. And there is a, a need for a particular group of people who are tasked more so with delivering outcomes here. So I think two key struggles that often come hand in hand and can be quite easily feeding into one another to, to exacerbate the problem in both areas. So we can spend a lot of time talking about struggles and issues in this area, um, but there's got to be a, a reason for doing this and a, a great outcome and purpose at the end of this. So what kind of benefits do you think, Tom, are there of going through and overcoming a lot of these challenges and problems? So what is what what does the other side look like once an organization's gone through this? So I think the other side looks like delivering well and delivering more and better. Mm for policyholders and for stakeholders involved in the insurance value chain. So from a 90 philosophy perspective, innovation, innovation techniques and approaches is a way to deliver better and deliver well. So to truly deliver what customers want and what customers need to do it in a way that is achievable and to do it in a way that makes commercial sense. So we believe an innovation approach to that helps to accelerate to those outcomes. And so having a focus on capability means that you can scale within your organization to get to more of those outcomes more quickly. So I think that's the end result when it comes to the end customer, the end user, and say those core members within the, the value chain. I think also it's important to note that um, insurance doesn't operate in a vacuum. And when it comes to both attracting and retaining talent, we believe that actually an innovation culture, an innovation mindset, a nascent creativity, but a structured approach to that is a way to attract and to retain um, talent and to ensure that the insurance sector remains vibrant and relevant, both to its customers and also to all of the employees and those that are involved in the um, internal workings of insurance companies. So we see that there is opportunity um, from both the what goes to market and how that is taken to market that innovation brings. And so we very much believe that it's a worthwhile journey. And success, I think, ultimately is that within an organization, everyone does feel innovation is their responsibility. And each day looks at ways that they can improve and um, things for themselves for their colleagues and for end customers whether incremental or truly transformational in nature so we've gone on quite a journey in the past 20 minutes we've talked uh, a bit about the starting point and the mandates for um, some innovation capability work 
Uh, we then went on to some problems that uh, innovators are quite often faced when carrying this out and some of the struggles as well. Um, but as I, I think you've, you've quite rightly indicated there and something that we of course passionately believe in is that this is a journey worth going on with good um, tangible results commercially, but then also the point that you mentioned as well in terms of culturally and reputationally as an industry, this, these are critical things we should be working on. So um, just to, to bring this session to a, a close, Tom, um, I wondered that, uh, well, I wondered what perhaps one or two tips you would have for some listeners to this podcast who I'd imagine are um, innovators um, in the insurance industry that might be faced with some of the struggles and problems that we've been talking about. Um, what one or two uh, tips do you think come to mind that are helpful to be bearing in mind as you're perhaps beginning or um, continuing on a journey of building innovation capability? I think there's opportunity to move forward regardless of uh, what role you, you, you play or where you're placed um, in an insurer. So some thoughts on, on where one might start or, or continue an innovation journey. If you are um, new to innovation journeys, but you know that there are some like-minded um, advocates of innovation within your organisation, then I really encourage you to find a problem space or an opportunity space that you could innovate on and to experiment with some tools and techniques that help to progress that problem or opportunity um, forward. I think you'll be amazed at how um, individuals can appear to support on something if they understand what sits behind it and the opportunity that's presented. And that could be also tweaked or supported with perhaps some more formal training and in innovation bootcamp or some more formal tools and techniques. But I think at the outset, a heartland small team with a common mindset can actually go a long way within an ins insurer to be able to evidence this type of um, change. If perhaps you have the mandate for innovation, then I would recommend understanding that innovation capability level within an organization. And so something closer to a, a health check or engagement to get more senior buy-in might be a helpful way to start the innovation uh, journey there. Regardless of, of the starting position or the continuing position, I think it's important that capability goes hand in hand with results and tangible outputs. So we are practitioners here at 90, and I think it's important that capabilities are not seen as some theoretical thing that sits there as an organizational structure or an esoteric operating model, but it's something that is very practical and helpful. So I, I would encourage innovation advocates to take steps forward and to seize on the tools, the resources, the techniques around them to move forward on their journey. Excellent. I think that's a, a perfect summary, Tom, and unfortunately brings us to the close of the session of all we've got time for. I, I know we could uh, be talking about this topic for quite a long period, but I think with those top tips at the end, that's a, a good place for us to, to draw a close. So thank you. And um, I guess that all that's left is for yeah, me to thank you, Tom, for joining me on this at last. I really appreciate your time. So come and share your, your thoughts here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me on this. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Tom. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And for more specialist insurance innovation content, tools and events, 
please go ahead and visit 90.com or get in touch with us at contact at 90.com. And thank you for joining us today. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.